Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. Tonight is a little bit different. We're not a part of a series or anything. I want to give, I want to give you all encouragement. I want to plant seeds for what God's doing to you. Some of you guys may be seniors and you're heading off soon. Some of y'all are maybe looking at your summer vacation. You're like, I have no idea what's going on. Some of y'all are going on missions trips. There's a lot happening. And I'd like to share a couple of verses with you that have been a major part of my life. And I hope to unpack them in a way that's different than you've thought of. Because it was different than anything I've thought of. So I want to open with a goofy video that's going to explain my bizarre t-shirt. Go for it, Kayo. coverage of the game of the year between Yale and North Carolina. If you're just joining us, we have witnessed an unbelievably well-fought match tonight, and it's come down to penalty kicks. Peterson for Yale, taking the first approach. Oh, there it is! Spectacular! North Carolina's goalkeeper Richards just let one in past him now, so now the burden rests on Yale's Scott Sterling. Here he comes, nerves of steel, that man, dealing with more pressure now than a submarine. <laughs> Indeed. Home crowd showing some appreciation. Johnson places the ball on the spot, getting ready. That man literally has a cannon for a leg. Yes, he does. Here he goes, winding up for the shot, and... Oh! The cannon has fired and hit Sterling directly to the face. We clocked that at a stunning 116 kilometers per hour. Now that's a lot of miles per hour. Little chance that man's nose is not broken right now. (laughs) Oh, indeed. Now, Sterling getting checked out for that one. Spectacular save, though, but sadly, he's not out of the woods yet. On his feet now, a bit shaken. But not stirred. (laughs) (laughs) This crowd absolutely loves this man. And Sterling's teammates welcome him back a hero for now. He yells up again for the second attempt, looking to make it 2-0. He approaches the ball with some determination. Here he goes. Oh! Oh, it's high and wide, way off target. Yes, apparently he thought he was kicking a field goal. (laughs) Wrong kind of football, I'd say. (laughs) Good show. Back now to Scott Sterling. He looks a bit worse for wear, but ready for round two. And Shaw takes a moment. Here he goes with the approach. Oh! Sterling with a fantastic dive. The ball flies straight through his hands and once again strikes him straight in the schnoz. And let's see it again on the old instant replay. Oh, every excruciating detail captured in HD perfection. Clocked at 129 kilometers per hour. Sterling does not look well. Two wonderful saves and two definite concussions. They may replace him at this point. He's done all he can. Yes, as his trainer takes him off the field like a moustached lion dragging a gazelle through the Serengeti. Adieu, Scott Sterling. Adieu. Yale now with their third PK. Richens is in the goal, bouncing like an infant girl. The crowd holds their breath as he goes in. Here it comes! Oh! oh very anticlimactic. Let's see who they got to replace Scott Sterling. Scott, Scott Sterling is back! He's still in the game! Oh my! And he's taking a very odd tactic now. Seems to be curling up to protect his face. Not exactly a recommended technique, but here it goes. Wait, no, no. Lambert needs to tie his shoe. Ho-ho. And that's why you do a double knot, kids. Sterling, still waiting for the kick to happen. He's probably wondering when. Oh! Sweet butter crumpet! My The ball drills Sterling right in the face. That man's nose must be absolutely (laughs) devastated. He's going to look like a witch that flew her Absolutely incredible. Though I must say, Sterling does not look well at all. Well, you know football players like to add a bit of drama, don't they? They're going to take him out. No, wait. They brought him a chair. Oh, a bold move by the manager. Bain sets up for the fourth attempt. And this, frankly, is a gimme. He literally just has to kick it anywhere except where Sterling is sitting. There is no possible way that North Carolina can mess up this shot. Oh! 158 kilometers per hour. This man can do no when it's mercy that should be begging for him. He has looked death in the eye and said, take your best shot. 
to which Death replies by punching him in the face over and over and over again. If Yeo makes this final shot, it's all over. But no! Oh, he misses, which means we're going to Scott Sterling! His face is like a brick wall. A brick wall that can feel pain and cries a lot. But where's Sterling? Oh, he seems to be crawling away from the goal. What is he doing? He's throwing away the bat! Oh! Sterling has done the impossible! I can't believe it! Look at that! He played it just right! What incredible instincts to crawl away from the goal like that! And his teammates rush the field! Happy as a lark as they slide in! <laughs> Bonini sculpture of a finish! As his teammates carry him off on the stretcher of glory, we thank you for sharing this absolutely heart-stopping finish! Scott Sterling and his face of steel have won it all! <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, Scott Sterling. Sometimes... Life comes at us like a soccer ball to the face of Scott Sterling. Sometimes it comes out of nowhere. Sometimes it beats us over and over and over and over. And I'm switching from like silly to like, let's just be real. Life comes at us hard and it can be brutal and it can be unrelenting. And I want to open God's word tonight to address anyone that's feeling like that. Because if, if you're not like leaving it, and you're probably heading into it, because that's life. God has an amazing way of taking those things that are the most difficult, the most painful, the most life-altering, and he turns them into something that molds us into looking like his son, into spreading light and salt in the midst of that awful situation. Maybe it's the person that you're on the phone with that it took 45 minutes to get through to a human on the other line, and you finally talk to this person. Maybe it's your tone then that makes a difference. Maybe it's whenever you've blown out a tire or a cop is at your window, or maybe it's whenever you've had a loss in the family or somebody is sick in an awful way or there's some unanswered prayer. The prayer has been answered, but not the one that you were really wanting. And life can beat on us over and over and over again. And I want to share a couple of verses that have ministered to me, and I hope they minister to you wherever you're going, whatever you're doing. They're Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. I'll share the verses with you initially, and then I want to back up and give context. It's 3, 13 through 14. And Paul is being honest. He says, brothers, I don't count myself to have apprehended as in, I don't count myself to have arrived. I don't have life figured out. I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which are behind. And another version says, straining towards what's ahead. I press on towards the goal for the call of Jesus Christ. I think that our past is a lot like driving. I think that so many times our past is valuable for us to look into the rearview mirrors and it gives us wisdom, it gives us context, but we can't drive staring into our mirrors. We have to be looking forward. And our past can be something that, that molds us and creates us and it gives us wisdom of what to do next time. But many times we hang on to the unforgiveness of the past. We hang on to our past mistakes. We hang on to those things that hurt us or damaged us and we cling, we stare into the side mirrors so hard that we end up crashing into what's in front of us. And God is saying, we need to get our eyes out of the side mirrors, out of focusing on that. Glance at them, reflect on them, but let's keep driving. Let's keep staring out the windshield. Let's keep scanning the horizon for what God is doing. This morning, I was like venting to Jackie, saying, oh man, I've got this pressure and this pressure, and this is stressing me out. And Jackie goes, okay, what's God teaching you in this? And I was like, because it's exactly the right next question to ask. Forgetting those things which are behind 
and straining towards what is ahead, I press on. Boy, if we could just engrave that into our brains, how much better. Whenever we realize that the upward call of Christ is our destination and all those things in our past are now in the rearview mirrors. Yeah, there are things that God's going to use. We had to cross those miles to get to where we're at, but we're looking out ahead of what God is doing next. We're constantly asking ourselves the question, what is he doing now? In what way is he taking my tribulations and my trials of now and is he creating character and hope and patience in us? What a God we serve that can do that. And what's crazy is that in the midst of those trials, we feel a lot like Scott Sterling. We're bleeding and it just keeps coming back. Bow, bow again. I want to talk about three things to leave behind and three things to strive for. And I wasn't, I wasn't in the frame of mind for what God has ended up bringing out tonight. God really threw me for a loop. Because I was thinking, okay, Lord, let's pick some topical things. You know, we'll talk about like, hey, leave behind our failures and leave behind those things that were said about us. And, and those are all true. Those are all great. But God is like really like, He's gonna, we're doing scripture tonight. Like we're switching from some sort of like preaching into like into scripture diving teaching. We're really going to chew on some stuff tonight. It's going to be beautiful and wonderful and a little bit different. And the things that we're leaving behind may not be what you expect. And the things that we're going to look towards may not be what you expect. Because I was like, okay, what we look towards? Uh, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. That's easy. That's, that's uh, motivational. And God's like, <laughs> He does that to me so often. I'd like to look at Ephesians 4.14. We're going to spend a lot of time in Ephesians 4 tonight. We're going to bounce back and forth between these two passages. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Chapter 4. And I'm going to begin in verse 11. Are you all ready? I don't even know if they're on the board. We're just going to move forward, pay attention. I've already prayed that, that God's going to plant seeds in you, even if, if it's a lot of scripture. So we're good. 4.11. And Paul is talking about Jesus. And he says, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for, and this is the purpose of having those people in our lives, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So it is not the pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, standalone job to go and do ministry. It's their job to equip all of us so that we are all ministers. If we start thinking that it's just their job and we're going to come in and do our daily routine and our Sunday tradition, like you missed it. You missed the gospel. The whole gospel is that every one of us are missionaries when we walk out the door, we're going to our mission field. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, the lifting up of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith. That's our, that's our goal. We're coming to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God so that we become a, a perfect person to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. That's crazy. That God is molding us into being Jesus or like Jesus in that kind of image. And it all started when Jesus was like, I will pay the penalty so that I can lay my righteousness over you. Like that's so incredible that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. This is where I need you paying attention. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plots. I want to stop right there. One of the things that we need to leave behind, that we need to forget, I, I know this is totally off book. It's totally not topical and motivational, but it's, it's raw scripture. One of the things we need to leave behind is false doctrine. False teaching. So much, so many times I've heard the worst things said at funerals. I, I was at a funeral and a girl got up and she said, well, you know, we miss him. And so he is now with all of us and he's encouraging us. And he's just going to sit on our shoulder and tell us what to do. And I'm like, you made him omnipresent. Are you serious? But, but so many times we have this way of, of 
taking what is truth and we twist it to kind of maybe feel better. Pastors can twist things maybe because they have weird motivations or sometimes we're just ignorant to what the Bible says. So I decided like, let's do an experiment. Here are some phrases. I would like you to tell me which of these phrases is not in the Bible. Are you ready? Do we have them? All right. God won't give us more hardship than we can bear. Next one. Kind of wanted to get them all into one screen. This too shall pass. Next one. God helps those who help themselves. Next one. Cleanliness is close to godliness. Next one. Is that it? Sweet. All right. Is there a way you could put those all on one screen? Is that doable? All right. What do y'all think? Which one of those is not in the Bible? Oh, man, I don't remember. Okay, I got him. God won't give us more hardship than we can bear. This too shall pass. God helps those who help themselves. Cleanliness is close to godliness. All right, if you think that it's God won't give us more hardship than we can bear, give me a shout out. Y'all are confused. You shouldn't be confused. This too shall pass. Anybody? God helps those who help themselves. Oh, all right. Cleanliness is close to godliness. Is that one in the Bible or not? Y'all are so confused. There you go. Which one of these is not in the Bible? Here's a trick question. None of those are in the Bible. The top one is actually that God won't give us more temptation that we can bear. Because God can be with us through any hardship, and he can mold us and grow us. And when his Holy Spirit is in you, you're more than a conqueror. The second one, this too shall pass, that's leaning on the same idea. Well, if I can just hold out long enough. No, God is doing something in it. God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. I don't have any theology behind it. <laughs> Cleanliness is close to godliness. Your mom's been telling you that, but it's not in the Bible. So many times, and this is just a silly example, but we'll pick up on false doctrines. Things like people saying, well, if you'll just give this amount of money, then God is going to give you this. God is a Coke machine. Put in what you want, or put in your money, push the button you want, and you get back. It's a lie that's gone around. It's not in the Bible. People will say, if you have more faith, you can do more powerful things. If you have less faith, you can't. If your faith is here, you can pray to get a good parking spot. If your faith is here, you can pray for someone to get well. If your faith is up here, then you can pray and God will transport you like Star Trek to another country. It's not true. Jesus says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. It's not about the size is what Jesus is trying to communicate. It's about do you have faith, yes or no? Do you believe in who God says he is? Do you believe he's going to do what he says he's going to do? Yes or no? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It doesn't say that our faith is like some sort of thermometer where you get what you want when you pray if you have more or less. Faith is a surrender, not a superpower. We have weird false teachings that, that permeate our culture, our Christian culture, and we've got to be so careful that we know exactly what the Bible says about things. And good news, y'all, you have it right here. You've just been neglecting it. Eat it. Chew on this word. Know what it says. Whenever somebody says that God sent Jesus so he could tell people to be nice to each other, check your word. Does it say that? It doesn't. Jesus says to love others like love themselves, but he also says, I came to turn families against each other, fathers against sons. There was a time when Jesus had such hard words to say that, his, that most of the people following him left, and he turned to his 12 and said, are you going to leave too? He did not have easy things to say. Find out what your word says. Devour it. Digest it. Marinate in it. We have to leave behind false teachings. Y'all going to college? Leave behind false teachings. You're going to have to be so present and so aware because you will get tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You're going to have professors saying stuff, and you're going to have to go, actually, hold on, brain check. What does Jesus actually say? We have to have a standard that's unmoving so we can refer back to it, and God gave us one. Ephesians 4, 17 through 18. Actually, let's rewind a little bit. We'll pick up where we left off. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking in the truth in love 
may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, that's us, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, that's us, that we do our share, causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. Verse 17, I say this therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles, you can insert the world here, that you don't walk according to the world, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Futility. Futility and vanity are so similar. Futility is whenever your efforts are worthless. You know, whenever you hear the famous movie line, you know, um, resistance is futile. It means that no matter how much you resist, it's not going to come to anything. Futility is that so many times we'll work really, really hard for things and it ends up being futile. Solomon was, was angry and depressed about life because he saw how much was futile. He called it vanity. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity, he wrote in Ecclesiastes. Because he saw that so many human efforts would end in emptiness. I think it was Ben at graduation who talked about how Solomon had it all. He had more wealth than all of the wealthy men combined. He had... He had the women, he had the wealth, he had the big fancy house, he had everything that a human could desire and say, if only, if only, and he had it, and he brought him to his lowest depression. And, and some of you might be thinking, well, man, I'd like the opportunity at least. <laughs> Try the money on TV, that'd be cool. At least he had the opportunity. But how much lower is it to believe there's no El Dorado versus spending your entire life your fortune and your relationships searching and still come to the same conclusion. Which is more empty? Which is more unfulfilling? Solomon was so depressed because he had every opportunity and it left him hollow. Futility. We're not supposed to be like the world in the futility of their minds. I, I can look back and see so many things that I've done that were just empty, that came to nothing, that, that benefited my life or the kingdom in no way. I must have spent $2,000 on speakers in my car when I was in high school. And it seemed so important at the time. And I'm looking back going, why? What did this benefit me in any way? Like, okay, I could vibrate the car next to me at lights. Like, but in, in my life, in the scheme of things, looking at what's really important, looking at the gospel and, and who Jesus is, I wasted so much money and so much time. And that's just like one example. How the, the months that I spent in, in worthless relationships, the friendships that I held on to that were going nowhere, the hours that I've spent in mindless entertainment. We, we're not supposed to be like the world in the futility of our minds, in the vanity of our work. We're supposed to live with purpose and direction. We're supposed to cling on to a hope and then drive towards it. Every part of our lives focuses on that. You have three great treasures in your life. The three greatest treasures you'll have are your time, your energy, and your money. Probably in that order. Your time, your energy, and your money. And where those three things are is where your heart is, for better or worse. Where do you put your time, your energy, and your money? It's going to be revealing because you're going to look back and go, well, man, I spent, I don't know, half of my time actually paying attention in school, but then I spent six hours in the middle of the night watching YouTube videos. Where is my time, my energy, my money going? Man, I put $75 into a video game, but then I looked the other way whenever I saw someone in need. Where is your time, your energy, and your money going? It's amazing. Whenever we actually look at our treasure, how much of it is wasted on vain, futile efforts. Oh, it's sort of heartbreaking. It should wake us up a little bit. It should pinch us into doing something, into being something, into pushing, and not giving up. God is calling us not to walk in the futility of our minds. We don't, not to have our understanding darkened because that is the blindness of our heart. Jesus says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. So we need to leave behind false teaching, false doctrine, things that aren't right. We need to leave behind futility, worthless waste of our treasures, forgetting those things. And the third one is this. 
We need to leave behind our sin. Everyone that came to Jesus, that Jesus touched or healed, he, he sent them off and said, go and try really hard. Go and struggle. Go try. Go do your best. Good luck to you. Jesus said, go and sin no more. Let's keep reading. Let's jump forward a little bit. No, let's keep reading. This is too good. Verse 19. And it's talking about those people that are living in futility. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness with greed. But you have not learned this in Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. It's Christianity 101 to reject what is wrong and what is evil and to pursue what is righteous and what is of God. That's like the ground roots, baby Christian, welcome to serving Jesus. Give up what is evil. Pursue what is right. Verse 25, therefore, putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give. Not for his own benefit, but benefiting others. Maybe he has someone, something to give to him who has need. No, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we're chewing on Philippians 3, 13 through 14 through the eyes of Ephesians chapter 4. And what is he saying? He's saying, what are those things that we leave behind our rearview mirror? We leave behind sin. We let it go. I think that way too often it has been communicated, whether it's from the, the, the pulpit or maybe it's from home or maybe it's just among ourselves, it's been communicated that our goal is to try hard not to sin, to do your best. And maybe if we took our goal off, I'm going to do my best and put it on, I'm not. I'm done. I'm breaking the chains. Actually, I don't have to. Jesus broke the chains on my sin. He tore down the walls. He gave me a new nature. My nature is different. I'm not even the same. What I'm struggling with now is, is old habits and stuff. But Jesus overcame those too. He overcame my shame. Let's, let's change our thinking. We have stinking thinking. We keep thinking like, oh, I'm going to try hard not to sin today. No, Jesus says, go and don't sin today. Whoa. He sets a standard way up to unreachable heights. And that's why he chose to live in you and in me. Because we can't. Let's, let's get our eyes. What, what coach ever tells the runner to look at the finish line? But every good coach says that as you're sprinting, you look past the finish line. And Jesus, every time he met somebody, said, look out there. Run towards righteousness. Run towards perfection. I'm starting you off. I'm laying my righteousness over you. Go. Run. Run the race in front of you. Forget those things that are behind you. Strain towards what is ahead. That's Jesus' message to us tonight. What's in our rearview mirror? We're leaving our sin behind. This isn't a self-help book. This is, a, I'm going to cling to Jesus. I'm going to live with the mind of Christ because I'm renewed. What does Ephesians say? That you put on the new man, the new woman, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. If you rewind one more verse, it says that we were renewed in the spirit of our minds. The new man, the new woman. We don't have to sin anymore. That was our old nature. People say, oh, well, I'm just human. What a great excuse. Well, of course I'm going to sin. I, you know, it's the flesh. Mm -mm. Jesus gave his life so that human meant what he created it to be. Connected with the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in holiness. Jesus gave it all 
so that we could get a new nature. I hate, I, I see things like, and I think they have good intentions. I remember being at a Christian bookstore and there was a pair of shoes. And if you put the, your feet together, it said sinner on it. And it was like, I, I recognize that we're, we're humble. But Jesus was tortured so that I could have an identity that wasn't sinner. What a slap in the face of God that we call ourselves sinners, that we call ourselves, well, we're just human. When he gave everything so that he could put on you the identity of Christ, we take it so lightly. Let's put sin in our rearview mirror. Let's strive towards perfection. Because that's what Jesus said to do. And let's reach for what's in front of us. Three things to reach for in front of us. Isn't this crazy? This is not what I expected. So the three things we're leaving behind, false teaching, futility, and sin. Reaching forward. Ephesians 4.13. We're going to skim back through some of the things we've already read. And it matches up with Philippians. So we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's what we're reaching forward to, the knowledge of the Son of God. Philippians 3.10 says something really similar. 3.10 says, That I may know him, and in the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. It's all about knowing Jesus. We are reaching towards knowing Jesus. When's the last time that you just immersed yourself into one of the Gospels, getting to know your Savior? When was the last time you spent time on your knees, immersing yourself in his presence? Asking him to see his face. We are reaching forward to knowing him. And that is the key. All through the book of John, John is making the argument, salvation is knowing Jesus. That is it. If you know him, then you're united with him. Paul goes on to say that if we're united with him, we're united with him in his death, that the old man is gone and the new man has come. Knowing Christ, we are reaching forward. We're forgetting those things which are behind. We're forgetting our sin. We're forgetting the futility of our minds. We're forgetting that false doctrine. And we're reaching towards knowing Jesus. Because in knowing him is truth and life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says in John. Colossians 1.9, and this is my prayer for you tonight. Yeah, I don't feel like finding it. It's up there. And so... From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. This is my prayer for you and for me. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Just leave that, that slide up. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom. If, if this was us, if this was tattooed on our hearts, it would change everything. Our lives would be warped or unwarped. You know, wicked, this is a side note, you know, wicked actually just means twisted. That's why you have a wicker basket or a wicker chair. It's just twisted. God is untwisting us. And he's giving us the knowledge of his will. We're reaching towards Jesus. We're reaching towards the knowledge of his will. We're being led by the Holy Spirit and by wisdom. The second thing that we're reaching towards, we're reaching out for, is the edification of each other. That we're lifting each other up in love, in encouragement, in hope, in correction. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16 says, But speaking in truth, no, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, we're working together like multiple parts of the body, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are reaching for lifting somebody else up. The Bible says to honor and esteem others over ourselves. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says that we're striving what? In faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Love doesn't happen by itself. You can't be in a room alone in love. There has to be another. There has to be people. We have to love each other so that we work and grow and prosper, that we're edifying each other in who Jesus is, that we're keeping each other accountable, we're kicking each other in the butt, because we need it. We are reaching for the edification of somebody else, not me. Ben's number, number one point at the graduation thing was, it's not about you. 
It's not about us. The gospel is never about us. Jesus is about us. We are about everybody else but ourselves. Why? Because where our treasure is, that's where our heart is also. Is our treasure invested in me? Or is it invested in people? It makes all the difference in the world. And it's amazing. Talking about futility and vanity. <laughs> okay, this is another silly example. Jackie and I love this TV show called Frasier. And there's a great episode where the two main characters, they discover this day spa, massage parlor, hot rocks, facial, whatever. And, and they just think they have the best time. And then on their way out, they spot that they were in the silver room, but there's a gold room. And they can't get in because they don't have the right connections. And all of a sudden, their whole day is wasted. And, and oh, it wasn't even enjoyable. And they can't get over. And they, they're lose sleep. And they're stressed out. And one of their friends actually says, how much better could it be? It would only be incrementally better than what you have now. And it's so true. We will so often strive for things. If I could just have the better car, if I could just have the better girlfriend, if I was just more popular, if I had more money, if I, if I, if I, if I, and yet it's only incrementally better, but when we'll invest into somebody else, God will take our increment and he'll make it extraordinary. That's worth writing down. God will take the little that we have if we'll reach out to edify somebody else and he will multiply it. He'll grow fruit from it. He'll change things in their lives that we had no, we're just planting a seed. And God will blossom that seed. If we'll reach to edify somebody else instead of ourselves, we strive for ourselves, but it's only incrementally better. When we strive for somebody else, it changes the world around us. We've got to think differently. We've got to reach to edify somebody else instead of ourselves. So we're leaving behind false doctrine, futility, and sin, and we're reaching towards knowing Jesus, edifying each other, and the third one is unity. Ephesians 4.13, we already read this verse, until we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect person to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Philippians 3, 15 through 16 says, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, like if you're mature, pay attention, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God's going to reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Are you a mature Christian? You can tell because you're either walking in unity with the body of Christ or not. We spend a lot of time trying to disrupt unity. Whether it's gossip, whether it's somebody we don't like, maybe we have a problem with somebody or a problem with how things are done. If, if you haven't been around me long enough, I'm sure that I'm going to offend you at some time. We will work very hard against unity. It's crazy. We don't even do it. It's not like today I'm going to sabotage my youth group. Like, that's not the point. But I've seen romantic relationships divide a youth group. I've seen people get in arguments and hissy fits divide youth ministries. I've seen adults and parents and families leave churches because of these things. It's amazing how disunified we will be when forgiveness changes everything and breaks walls down. Being able to say, I'm sorry and I forgive you revolutionizes our hearts. And yet, we are more than happy to pass on that information or tell someone how we really feel. Maybe we need to keep our mouths shut sometimes. You know what gossip is? You can test it. You can test gossip by three things. One, is it true? Is it necessary to be told? Is it in their best interest? There you go. Write it down. Send it to yourself. Put it on a mirror. Is it true information? Is it necessary to be told? Is it in their best interest that you're saying it? If you filter everything through those things, maybe we'll be like James 3. It will become a whole perfect person. Getting our mouths under control is the hardest part, right? What is gossip? It's divisive. It's destructive. It can set a forest on fire. Unity. We are reaching for unity. 
that we are giving forgiveness. We're putting, putting all of our unforgiveness and our bitterness in the rearview mirror, forgetting those things that are behind and straining for unity with somebody else. <laughs> this, is, this is way out there. Okay. A horse on average can pull 2,500 pounds. They can pull, that's a lot. I can almost squat that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you all know what the word synergy means? Synergy does not mean one plus one equals two. It means one plus one equals five. Synergy means that the two parts working together are greater than the sum of the two parts. If that doesn't make sense to you, get this. Two horses pulling together just cannot pull 5,000 pounds. They can pull 12,500 pounds because of unity. Because when you shoulder up with somebody else, you get over your petty differences. It's amazing that whenever men are put into the trenches in war, they don't care if the person next to them is black, white, Baptist, Methodist. They don't care. We're fighting the same enemy. Bullets are coming from the same direction. We're shouldering up and we're moving forward. We, the body of Christ, we need to get over our petty differences. We need to start pushing forward. The enemy is after us. The bullets are coming from the same direction and we're called to take the same field. We've had enough. The kingdom of God has been halted by our problems and our contentions enough. It's time that we start locking arms, saying, I love you. I don't care how different we are. It's time to pull together. Do you love the Jesus I love? Awesome. Let's go. Let's take the field. Leaving behind, forgetting those things which are behind, and straining towards what is ahead. We're leaving behind false doctrine. We're leaving behind sin. We're leaving behind futility. And we are reaching for knowledge of Christ. We're reaching for edifying the people around us. And we're reaching for unity. No matter how life beats you in the face over and over and over again. If we will posture ourselves the way Philippians 3.13-14 is talking about. We will never be defeated. How can we? If one can set to flight a thousand and two ten thousand, and we're locking arms together, if the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and guided him every step of his ministry is also living in me and you, if you're more concerned about somebody else than yourself, how can we lose ground? How can the Holy Spirit not win? How can we ever be defeated? How can depression conquer us? How can defeat and failure conquer us? When we have that kind of God living inside of us, when we have that kind of cause and purpose, when we're leaving behind those things, we're finally getting them out of our lives. And the purpose for all of this, what we're pressing towards, the goal for the prize, we are straining towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are striving towards heaven because this life is temporary. It's a mist. It's, it's gone. People are losing their lives every day. Pow! Did you think you were going to lose your life today? Mm. You're in the, okay. If this stage from speaker to speaker was a timeline, you know, let me see. Let's start over here because I want to move from your left to right. So if you were born here, right, and that's your death over here, all the way over here. Bucket kicked, farm sold. Then right now, in your, as a teenager, you're right here. Was that profound to anybody? Yes. Like, if this is your life, you're here. You have all of that left. And it can be cut anywhere along the way. Pow. God takes you. But you know what? The distance is just a mist. And it's gone. And yet, we will take right here through there to be bitter at somebody. We'll take from right there to right there to walk in lies. To pursue in our sin. That's amazing, isn't it? And yet, this whole thing is just a breath. Because the upward call, because heaven is what we're shooting for. Because honoring God is the end goal in this whole thing. How can people go into torture 
How can people watch their families be tortured and still not deny Jesus? It's because that out there is more important than what's here. What are we leaving behind? We're leaving behind false teaching, futility, and sin. And we are straining and reaching for the knowledge of Christ, the edification of other people, and of unity. And we're doing it because God is so much more important. If we'll seek him first and his righteousness, all the things in that space will be given to us. He'll take care of us. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing tonight. Lord, what you're doing. Can I have a musician or two come back up and just pick around? Every, every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to do some prayer tonight. What do you need to put in your rearview mirror? What is it? What have you been staring at in your mirror way too long? What have you been holding on to that you can't seem to let go? You don't want to let it go. Let's be honest. What should have been in your rearview mirror a long time ago? What are those things that we, we believe, that person that we should forgive? thing in mind. Lord, when life beats us like Scott Sterling, I pray that we'll reach to you. We'll reach to others. We'll make our purposes based on the kingdom. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody right now that's hurting, that it just feels defeated and beaten. And they can't really see a future. They can't really see something to reach for. I pray for whoever that is, Lord, that you are reaching to them right now and you're filling them with peace. You're taking that hole in their heart and you're replacing it with your presence and your spirit. You're taking that weight that they feel, like they have a backpack on with a thousand pounds and you're beginning to lift it off of their shoulders. Lord, you know exactly who that is. You know who's feeling that right now. Lord, let them feel you near. You're closer than a brother. You're closer than the air we breathe. And Lord, for all of us who have something in the rearview mirror, that we're ready to put it there once and for all, here's our prayer. Jesus set us free. Lord, let us lay hold of the freedom that you've already given us. Really, Lord, let us just surrender. Forgive us when we keep going back to our habit. Forgive us when we keep going back over and over and over again to the things that grieve your heart, that damage us, that hurt the people around us. Lord, I pray for Holy Spirit power to loose some things that have been chained up. I pray for Holy Spirit discipline and self-control to make a choice to put our eyes on you. Jesus, in your name we release those things. We put them behind us. We're forgetting those things which are behind. And you know what, Lord? We're going to lump in our failures, our mistakes. We're going to lump in the things that people have told us and said to us. We're going to lump in the hurts when people have hurt us. We're lumping in all that past. We give that to you. And we leave that behind. In Jesus' name. What are those things in front of us that God has been calling us to reach for? 
What are those things that he's been pricking you about a long time? And whether it's fear or laziness, just discomfort, you haven't gotten around to it. What are those things? What is he calling you to reach for? Is it forgiveness? Is it for that relative? That one person at school that you just cannot stand being around? What is he calling you to reach to? Maybe your Bible is really dusty. You've been saying a long time that you were going to finally get into it. Maybe he's been pricking at you to let go of that sport or that job that keeps you out of his presence, out of church or youth or whatever it is. What is it that he's calling you to reach for? Lord, give us courage. Give us strength. Let us move in your power and not our own. Let all of these things be done in your name and to your glory from you, with you, for you. Lord, I pray that as we reach, you, you pull in closely. Thank you that you say that if we'll seek, you will find you. It means everything. Lord, I pray that you give some people some real power and some real strength to take hold of what it is you're calling them to reach for. That those conversations that they've been scared of for a long time will suddenly come easily. And if they don't, you give them the strength to do it anyway. Lord, I pray that our money is not our own, but it's yours. I pray that our time is not our own, but it's yours. I pray that our energy is not our own, it's yours. We lay them at your feet to use in any way that you see fit. You've only made us a steward of them. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your hope. Thank you for your promise that's ahead of us. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen.